Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hey. So today, we're going to be talking about Rings of Power Episode 7, titled... Out of the Ashes. So before we dive into that, we're going to give out the typical reminders here. Where if you want to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. You can get at us on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod. And where you could get at us on Twitter as well, which is at fantasyrewind. All right, so without any farther delay, let's dive into the rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, episode seven, aptly named Out of the Ashes. Because, I mean, we're literally, <laughs> some of our characters are literally coming out of the ashes. You know, every all of them are sort of, this is really much, or pretty much, a episode where we're, like, breath the exhale after just, like, getting punched or something. Yeah, or, like, you know, it's destroyed. sort of that recovery. Yeah, it's just like that, the sort of stagger, yeah. I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we saw that in this episode, and it was something. <laughs> That's, that is true. It was something. Uh, I will say, like, just general thoughts on this episode, that there were parts of this episode I really liked, and there were parts of this episode that made me want to smack some writers upside their heads. I had some questions, um, and I'm interested to hear the smacking of the writers parts for you, but overall, it was pretty good. I think it just, we just didn't get as much as I wanted in some areas, so I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. Which is the final episode of the season. Which I cannot believe. Like, oh my gosh. It's wild, isn't it? Yes. I'm really interested to see kind of what happens with Kaza Doom, as well as with uh, the Harfoots. I think hopefully next episode we get a lot more with the Harfoots, because I feel like Galadriel and company are kind of at a point where... You can step away from them if you need to. Yes, but at the same time, no. Uh-huh. I think we're going to... We are going to have a melding here of Elrond and everyone getting together. Like I think that's said. 100% happening, yeah. So uh, let's just kind of start off. When we sort of flash in, we get Galadriel kind of waking up covered in soot and ash from uh, the Mount Doom exploding, which we know it's Mount Doom. We know it's Mordor because at the end of the episode they had the Southlands and then it like melted away and it burns away and it formed Mordor. Which I thought was, I thought it was cool. I was like, thank you for spelling it out for us. I but hated yes, that part, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I like the effect of it showing Mordor. Like, it was a little cheesy, I guess. Yes, we know it's Mordor, but for people who don't know, you know. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, it's really laid out for you. I did think that her getting up and sort of finding Theo and them kind of going off was interesting. This was a question I had because they ended up going on a separate journey than everyone else, but they were all in the same town. Yeah. That's where I was like, that's kind of weird because like, how does she just pick up Theo when they just kind of go and everyone else goes in a separate direction? So that was one of my qualms with this episode was Galadriel and Theo having their own little like buddy cop solo adventure. But I, as much as I dislike that because it makes no stinking sense whatsoever, I will say, like, they were my favorite part of this episode. I thought that having Galadriel go with Theo and have her kind of lecture him on lessons she herself needed to learn was very mm. uh, very purposefully done and was done to grow Galadriel as a character, which 
you did get a little she bit needed. of growth for her in this episode, which she did need. Yeah. yeah. And I think she's in a good place now. I think, honestly, that she has changed over the course of this season. Sometimes she took two steps forward and a step back. Yeah. But she is definitely in a much better place than we originally found her in. Totally agree on and that. And I'm excited to see kind of what happens between her and Halbrand as they continue forward. So let's just talk about Galadriel here, her and Theo, for, yeah. for a little bit. Um, so we have Galadriel leading Theo off on the most roundabout way possible to get to where everyone else is after the eruption of Mount Doom. And she's like telling him, oh, you got to have hope. You can't give in to despair. You know, you can't fear that your mom and your um, adoptive father, who to be a Rondir, are, are dead. You got to, you know, have hope and believe they'll be okay. And they're there at the end waiting for, for you. And just the lessons of her telling Theo as well of don't just run in there, you know, sword drawn to take out an army of orcs by yourself. You got to do what's right at the right time and, you know, be patient and just kind of telling him all the things that she needed to hear. Now, though, yeah, something I thought was important and worth talking about. We have our first mention of Galadriel's husband, Celeborn, who yes. apparently is dead. <laughs> I was wondering about that. I was like, it wasn't he isn't he supposed to be alive? He is alive and well with her in Lothlorien, if you watch the main trilogy here. So here's my what I think is gonna happen. Uh going into a little bit of predictions here. I think that her and Halbrand, their romance is going to continue, and once it gets to a certain point, who's gonna come back but a Celeborn long lost from the wilds coming <laughs> home to return to Galadriel and create yeah. some drama. And that's exactly what these writers are going to do. And I thought yeah. I was just wanting to reach to that screen and smack them for, for doing that. Cause it's so pointless and so stupid. Well, you know, got to create some drama there. And also if Halbrand is going to end up being, uh, going to be Sauron then Sauron, yeah. which Honestly, nothing in this episode took that from me. Nope. The fact that now he's injured and he has to go with her to the elven. That just reinforces my belief. To get healing. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to show up there. He's going to win some elves over. He's going to go and work on some rings. like Show his smithy skills. And, yeah. Uh-huh. And one thing, I just talking about Halbrand a little bit more here. At the end of the episode, when he's laying in the wounded bed, looking all injured... And then all of a sudden he gets up and just like hops on his horse and is like, I'm going to follow you. Like, no problem whatsoever. Even though he's hurt so bad, he needs elvish medicine. Like, I just thought that was so cringeworthy and just was a little bit bad. But one thing, sticking with Galadriel, though, I want to bring this up because she says, like, when she married Celeborn, they were happy for a time. And she was, you know, dancing in the meadows with flowers and everything with him. And then it seems like she wasn't worried about her own personal crusade there which well because it's, that was probably before her before her husband, brother died her brother had died maybe yeah yeah that's kind of how i so took it what i wanted to talk about that though is because earlier in the season galadriel says or elrond says to galadriel galadriel put up your sword and she's like what would i be without it and she's referencing what she was without her sword without being a warrior and then at the mm. end of this episode, she gives up her sword to Theo. 
So again, representing that transformation for herself, that progression, going from the mindless killing machine that we saw at the beginning of the season to someone who actually thinks before they act and is becoming a much more likable character, in my opinion, the last two episodes. Um, Agreed. But yeah. Um, what else do you have to say about the Galadriel part of this storyline, Mike? Uh, not much. I do want to talk about the Numenorians. Yeah, let's do it. For a minute. Uh, because in this episode, we sort of had a, you know, Galadriel and Theo, and then we had the rest of the Numenorians and the Southlanders. And we have the Queen Regent going in and saving some kids with Aceliador's help. Uh, and Aceliador is apparently dead or trapped or something in a building, which I have, I'm going to talk about in just a moment. <laughs> uh, but. The big part of that is when the queen does save them and some burning timbers are coming down, she gets blinded, Yeah, basically. Uh, it seems like permanently blinded, which I thought was interesting. So she is now permanently blind, which is apparently, it seems like the end of the world for so many people. Her being blind, I don't think impacts her leadership skills. I mean, what it will do is it will make her appear weak to her people because they went on this crusade to the Southlands and then their queen's going to be coming back after what could be argued as a defeat because of yeah. the success of Mount Doom erupting. And she's going to be blinded. They're going to have casualties. It's going to be this yes. big controversy of why did we go help the elves? Like, why did we go and do this? And she is she's staking her claim that she will be back with the might of Numenor yeah. behind her. Um, because she's just like you know what, they're, no, evil did not win here. I'm not letting them win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting uh, because Gladrio's like the elves will be ready. And so I, I like that dynamic, but we know we had to go back to Numenor because we were going to have some anti-elf sentiment building there. And when she comes back in this week in state, state like you brought up, there's going to probably be some blame put on Galadriel. Oh, yeah. And the elves, and we should not go there because all we're going to do is lose our sons and daughters and end up getting hurt. I thought it was really interesting, though, how you saw Isiliador helping out the queen and, like, the impact of him seeing his friend dying uh, or being dead underneath the rubble there. Where, like, yeah, he was clearly in shock. You know, nobody expected the Numenorean soldiers to die, basically, coming to this adventure here. Um, and you just see Aceliador, like, taking that in personally. And, but you also see a side of Aceliador that we haven't seen yet in this season. And that is the competent side of him where he's helpful and, like, doing all he can to assist people as well. Because yeah. he's helping the queen rescue a lot of people and he was willing to, you know, prop up that building while people were escaping and being run out there. And he's going to have this building collapse on him. And this brings up another point I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. And I think you do as well. Why did nobody go and check on him? Like, why did his father not go and say, where's my son? I'm going to take his body back or I'm going to make sure he's not buried alive. Yeah. Like, just I don't know. leaving him to have That's the horse point. have an Aragorn being dragged from the stream by Brago We <laughs> That is exactly why. Yeah. Dylan, that's what I wanted to bring up, is they've made so much to do about the horse being bonded with the yeah. rider, and it. I was like, they're just pulling a Two Towers Aragorn getting pulled out of the yeah. river by the horse. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. And I was just like, so stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was probably my biggest moment during this episode. It was just like, why are we doing this? And what's bad about all of this is I understand some people might be watching this with no concept of what Lord of the Rings is. I don't know who would be doing that, though. I also, we all know Isiliador is going to survive this. We all know. Yeah, as is his father. Yeah, as is his father. We all know Galadriel and Celeborn are married. I don't know why they're, like, pulling these, like, punches out of left field to try and, like, knock these characters down a peg that we know end up at a more prominent space later on. I don't know. Maybe because they just want to have some surprises in store for people who do know the lore. Yeah. Too. Um, because they can play around with it a little bit, even if it's going to have the same end result. Now, that being said, I think we're pretty good on the Numenorean side of things. Obviously, we have all the orcs apparently still alive and thriving, and <laughs> um, they all escaped somehow. Because there was the even chaos all, of, the, of the eruption. But they were all in chains, is my thing. Yeah. Like, they were all in chains. Like... I still don't know how they even, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, they escaped, and we have we have Adar, who is, le- who is back and leading them again, and uh, yeah, they are now in their home. So that's kind of it for Mordor right now. There is I'm interested one more to see. piece I want to mention with the Numenorians. Yeah, and that is how devastated Elendil seems at the loss of Asteliador. And how he has completely, or it seems that he's completely lost all faith in Galadriel, lost all faith in elves, and is just wanting to go back to Numenor and never see another elf in his life. But again, all this is happening without him even checking to make sure his son is actually dead, which correct is a, is a weaker writing point for the show here. Um... And you see his face, like, in just complete anguish and despair when Galadriel's talking with the queen. And he's just turned away. He won't even, like, look at Galadriel. And then when the queen commits to bringing Numenor back, he whips around and is like, what? Like, why would we come back here? There's nothing here but death. But yes, I thought that just the way they had Elendil portrayed there also was just a little, a little weak. Agreed. I don't think that the, I mean, losing your son obviously is going to cause you to really get. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely going to break you. But to completely change your entire perspective on a group of people off of an action that was not, it's not like she sat there and put the key, the sword into the stone and turned it and caused all that. It was outside of her control. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I agree. It was kind of weak. A little bit of weak sauce. Uh, let's go over and let's talk about Casa Doom. Yes. Because I think this is probably the next biggest area. Again, love the interaction between Elrond and Durin. And I think this episode was really great um, for a lot of, you know, meaningful relationship building between them and sort of showing how, like, why they are such good friends. We also saw the impact of the Mithril on the sickened uh, of Andasora. Or not Aventasaur, that's Wheel nope. of Time. Like. Sorry, Wheel of Time. <laughs> tree of Life. Yes, on the tree from Linden. You saw the effect yes. of Mithril on the tree from Linden, the corruption that was on it. As soon as the Mithril got close, it healed the corruption and brought the tree basically back to life. Or it brought the leaf back to life. Yeah. And that was enough to make Durin uh, go against his father's wishes and say, you know what, my father uh, forbade me from digging for Mithril. 
but you know what? This is going to help my friend. I see the proof that it's actually going to work. Let's get some Mithril going on here. And But before we get into that, I just want to talk about the king of the dwarves during the third there and his response to Elrond's pleas, which was, everybody has their time in the sun, everybody fades. If it's the elves' time to fade, it's the elves' time to fade. We're not going to step in and intervene. Yeah, that seemed pretty, Durin's wife had said, narrow-minded. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But also, too, you could see kind of the greed a little bit uh, from Durin's wife and him. Mm Mm-hmm. Talking about it later on, like, he's so feeble-minded, he's so narrow-minded, and, you know, he's not going to curb our ambition. You're going to be king one day, Durin. It doesn't matter. And so I was like, that that conversation between them, I was like, this is almost a little uncomfortable. Yeah, because it really was. Because it's showing this greediness from you guys. And so I just which, could almost see, like, the golden glint in her eyes when she was talking about, like how much they wanted to be like king and queen and how it was their right and how they were going to take it back and no one no other dwarf lord no brothers of durin no one's going to stand in their way of getting what they want and like you just said like the greed that they felt or the greed that they displayed there was just uncomfortable it was not a place that you had seen them go before yeah that's completely correct i'm interested to see kind of what else happens with them we did get, um, so uh, like you said, they Durin and Elrond ended up going down against the king's wishes and continued digging, and they found the huge mithril deposit. Right. Uh, then they later got in caught the episode, with their hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, Dad, Father, just look. And he's, he's like, no, yeah. I'm not even going to look. Like Elrond out. And you go to my... Uh, you lose your status as prince, and he rips yeah. the the chain basically off him, like, claiming him as the heir, mm-hmm. basically disinheriting Durin, and then booting Elrond out of Khazad-dûm. And he yeah. eventually drops the linden leaf down that chasm. And, and you just it see it floating up. and floating and floating until it goes all the way to the bottom. And you see our flash of the Belrog, Durin's Bane. Yeah, and it looks like he's trapped. So yeah, it looks being. like he's like kind of pinned down below there, unable to come up, or like asleep down below and not waking up until the leaf fell on him. I'm more inclined to be the trapped, and it's yeah. the Mithril It'll be that's the release of him. the Mithril that will allow him to come back up and do that, yeah. so... When they delve greedily and deep for that Mithril, we know what'll be waiting for them. And I just think this was a nice little, like, in-your-face foreshadowing about what'll happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that they didn't show the Balrog free in this episode. Agreed. So, like, my yeah. prediction or, like, my comments, I think it was last episode for for I, this, about how it'd be much more believable if the Balrog was, ele- was released around, like, season three or so. That yes. might come to happen. Which I'm much happier about. Oh yeah, me too. Because they're not going to fight the Balrog. No, like no. <laughs> <laughs> there is no fighting the Balrog. Uh, so that's yeah, I agree. And so we still have more political drama there. Um, what my question is is why don't they just take the little bit of mithril that they have, just run it and over, push it into the tree? Yeah, right. That'd be uh, smart. Because wouldn't that heal? The tree? <laughs> 
Or, you know who else could heal the tree? Oh, yeah. A little stranger guy. That's, uh, or a big stranger. I would say little. Yes, a big stranger. Uh, So we go over to the Harfoots, and they finally get to their grove, just to find that a rock shot out of Mordor has (laughs) destroyed half of it, uh, apparently. And so they ask the meteor man, the giant, to fix the tree. And in his process of healing it, which does appear he is healing it, and then one of the branches snap and almost crush a little kid, and then they're like, oh, no, you're too scary. Even though, again... (laughs) they ask someone to do something and then when something happens that's not their fault it's not like you took the branch and like went to hit him with it or something you know they blame that person yes i just can't even though they talk even though we get a speech later on about how harfoot stick together and that's the one thing they have that the rest of middle earth doesn't and i'm just sitting there like made me want to smack the writers for doing what they did with the harfoots earlier about showing how quickly and how willing they were to abandon everybody oh because like their whole like mantra of nobody goes off trail and nobody walks alone we're all in this together is all fun and dandy until they decide you're off the trail you're you're off our like off our little clan like forget about you yeah once push comes to shove then eh, no yeah sorry goodbye so we we do get um you know they kind of ask the meteor man to leave they send him to the 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 big folk yeah the big folk city town and um he heads off and so but then the next day where he had you know tried to heal the tree all of a sudden everything's lush and beautiful again and they're like, oh, he did it. He did it. And like, they're all excited and they have so much food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that night, they are visited by the three women in white. Yes. And if there was any question about. If they were good or being, evil. <laughs> yeah, good or evil or their power set, they're definitely like wizards or wizards. Witches. Witches, I guess. Magic users, magicians, whatever. Uh, they're definitely that, and they're definitely on the evil side of things. Um, we still haven't had a single word spoken from them. Correct, yeah. But they were obviously looking for the man, and they point to where he is, and... Nori comes right now. It's like, no, not that way. It's this way. <laughs> tries to misdirect him, and they're just like, oh, this dumb child. It looks like they're going to go over, and they kind of just disappear. And they're like... on. Behind her, in front of her, on top of her, floating above her, maybe I don't know. It reminded me of like witches, like reaching out for a child. Yeah, they like grab something out of her hair, and then her dad pops out with a torch. Yeah, which they didn't have before. (laughs) You got me. You got me. Yeah, I was like, they didn't have the torches because like they were hiding, and every everything was completely dark. So where was the torch lit? I don't know. Uh, that that's that's a part. Like as I thought back on it, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> that's a good little detail." I don't I don't know if they had a fire or not because they they do try to hide where they are and like that's yes, the whole they point do of them. Like they hide. Yes, they do. And so he goes out and he's like, "I'm gonna brain you if you touch a hair on her head." And so they extinguish his fire, take it, and they light all their wagons on fire, and then they just disappear. And it's like, oh well, the entire feast that that guy brought you is gone. Yeah. I do like that afterwards, though, you know, with his speech about never going, you know, always being resilient and never giving up and staying together and all this yada yada hypocritical nonsense. They are like, well, you know what? We're going to go and we're going to find him because he did, 
you know, they could sort of are like, he did do the right thing. He did help us. And we could repay this kindness by letting him know that these people are searching for him. So this right here is actually something I had a little bit of a problem with. And that was because this is an adventure. And hobbits and harfoots do not go on adventure. <laughs> and They're going off trail. They're going off trail. <laughs> and whether they're having uh, Sadak burrows with them or not, like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is completely out of character for any number of hobbit-like creatures other than Bilbo and Frodo. And there's a reason they were considered, like, outcasts, pretty much. So, like, yeah. Nori, I could see doing this, but, like, I could not see, like, this being, like, a whole thing everybody was behind. Like, it would be more of a situation that I could believe if they were like, no, Nori, you can't go. It's too dangerous. Like, yes, somebody needs to let him know, but that's not our role. We're just wee little Harfoots. And then she sneaks off in the middle of the night with Poppy. But... For them to, like, all vote on it, basically, as a group and all agree that they need to chase down the stranger, I just don't see that happening. I don't see the Hobbits being the heroes or the Harfoots being the heroes in this case. Yeah, agreed. But it's setting up for, uh, you know, uh, their adventure, like you said. So we're going to have their storyline, and it wouldn't surprise me if they meet up with the wizard and they get to the elven woods or... You know, we got to have emergent, uh, an emergence here of these storylines. Like, a convergence, sorry, not an emergence. Yeah, and I'll just be interested to see, like, how far away this, like, big folk settlement actually is and who it actually is. Um, mm. One other thing. Because, yeah, they don't say. Yeah. One other thing I do want to talk about with this episode is when Bromwyn is talking about, like, where they will go now, like... You hear her basically describe what I'm taking as the beginning of Gondor. And, like, yeah. her describing, you know, where they'll have their next great city and where they're going to build and go to after their home was all taken, after Mordor was brought up. But I don't know, like, what that would actually do. You know what I mean? Like, where would they get the resources for building such a great city? Would it start off? Numenor? Yeah. Would it start off as like Isildur being brought there if they if he was found injured or whatever? And but yeah, I just thought that was like a nice little Easter egg. I wanted to make sure I mentioned as well. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose we'll see. Uh, I I'm excited for this next episode and conclusion here. I think it's just going to kind of put a bow on things and uh, just set up some little things for the next season. I don't think we're going to have anything too crazy. So yeah, let's. I uh, do think it will. Let's do this. We'll let's see a lot more with predictions for the final episode here. Yeah, I do think we're going to see a lot more of Meteor Man and the Harfoots kind of continuing on. Honestly, this episode could have almost been a. Could have been a season finale. Yeah, it could have been the season finale. Uh, that's why I'm kind of like, I don't feel like there's going to be too much happening in this next episode. Where, whereas, like you know, we have a lot. It's very different with um, House of the Dragon. We're just like, oh, what? My gosh, the season finale is going to be crazy, <laughs> and we're just kind of like, oh, okay. Like they're going to do some things, but nothing too, nothing too crazy here in this next episode. The one thing that has me really interested is that the next episode is titled "The Eye," and. I have seen promo images of what looks to be Sauron in his armor for the next episode. 
So I am really curious about like what becomes of those promo images. Like what were they? Are they images of him in the past? Were they images of him in the future? What is going to be going on? And is it the eye of Sauron? Which is the only thing I can think of title why they would title it the eye. But yeah, I'm really interested to see what that turns into. And he doesn't become the eye until after his physical body is like destroyed, correct? Right. Yeah. Hmm. But like it could be like his sigil, I don't know. That's true. Um also other predictions I think we should uh, I'm gonna make here are going to be that Elrond and the elves are not going to simply settle for fading into nothingness. And I'm hoping that it doesn't lead to a war between elves and dwarves, which who knows? Um, but I don't think it will. I think what will happen is next episode, the king of the dwarves during the third will no longer be king by the end of the episode. I think that during the fourth, the one we've been seeing with Elrond, will take over as king by the end of the episode. Oh, agreed. Um, as far as, like, the Harfoots go, I think they'll find the stranger. I think that he will probably end up saving them from some other peril. Um, and then... Probably the three women. Yeah, probably the three women. And he'll maybe reveal a little bit more about himself. I'm not sure if we'll ever get, like, an actual answer this season about who he actually is, but... Uh, we'll find out. I, and I also fully believe that Galadriel will make her way with Halbrand to Linden with um, Gilgalad and Elrond and everybody will reconvene there at the for the fun for the season finale. Yeah, agreed. All right. So that's going to do it for us for this episode. But if you have any predictions about what's going to be coming for the season finale of Rings of Power be sure to let us know and we'll see what happens. See if anybody can uh, can hit the nail really on the head here and uh, get it 100% correct. I know that I am I am still not super com- like bought in with a lot of the characters for this series. Um, Galadriel right now is probably my favorite character just because of the growth she's had over the last couple episodes. And I'm really happy to be able to say that because she's a great character. And we'll see what becomes of our friends of the South and if they do indeed found Gondor or not. But that's going to be it for us. And it's going to be two nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.